We're going to read from God's Word now. We're going to read from Isaiah chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to jump to John chapter 20 and read verses 1 to 10. But let's listen to God's Word together. Isaiah chapter 12, 1 and 2. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Now we turn to John chapter 20, and we'll read verses 1 to 10. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and saw, and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Amen. We are just... On our last Sunday in our sermon series, where we're looking at El Yeshuati. And for those of you who don't know what that means, which might be a lot of us, um, is it means the God of my salvation. I wish I could say that I was organized enough to get Jehovah St. Kenya to land last week and God being the God of my salvation this week from Palm Sunday into Easter Sunday, but I'm not that organized, but God is at work, even in our foolishness. And here we are looking at the last name in our sermon series about the names of God, and we're looking at God being the God of my salvation. Isn't it interesting in the gospel accounts, when we read about the resurrection, that each of them introduce this next part in the narrative by saying on the first day of the week. Rather than saying three days later, we say on the first day of the week. And I'd argue this is the case because it is signifying the start of something new. Just as we see in Genesis where God creates and we see on the first day of the week and then through to day seven, we see after the resurrection this new creation that is possible because of the risen Lord. It signifies this new thing that God has done, this new work that is now at work in any, uh, anyone who puts their hope and trust in Jesus, signifying this new start that is possible because of the resurrection. And as Mary arrives, the stone had been rolled away. I don't know how she thought she was going to move it, but she got there, and when she got there, the stone had been rolled away. 
So she goes back and she tells the other disciples. And we see in other parts of the Gospels, like being typical men, they don't believe her, what she's saying. And they need to go and investigate for themselves because her word's not good enough. And we need to figure out for ourselves what is going on. So Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved, which is probably John uh, that we read of here, um, they both run and they have a race. Now, I would probably have been Peter. I would have been slower than the person I was racing with. And Peter gets there second. He might not have been the fastest, but boy, was he bullish. He didn't even hesitate. Straight into the tomb he went. The other disciples stooped in and had a wee look around to see what was going on. But not Peter. In he went, head first, like a bull in a china shop, to see what was going on. And we read in verse 6 that when Peter gets into the tomb, what he sees is he goes in and he saw the linen cloths lying there. And then we read about how the face cloth and the linen cloths had been separate. The face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths. Peter sees this thing, which is a really interesting point that the, the gospel writer gives to us here. Why does he specify that this is what Peter sees? He sees the head cloth folded up and placed in one place, head cloth or face cloth, the thing that had been covering the corpse of Jesus on his head, and the linen cloths, which would have covered the rest of his body, lying separate, also folded up. Such an interesting point to note, and why is it there? On the most basic of points, what, what Peter is seeing here is he's seeing the, the cloths that would have wrapped the dead corpse of Jesus. So why are they talking about them? Well, Jesus didn't need them anymore. Because he was no longer dead. On the most simplest of points, that is exactly what the gospel writer wants us to know. That Jesus' resurrection wasn't just spiritual. It is physical. He didn't need the cloths anymore. Because his whole body, everything about him was raised. Not just his spirit, but his body as well. He was no longer dead. But secondly, and very importantly... When we read this, if we know the Gospel of John well, if we've been journeying through the Gospel of John, we, we might remember back to another point where we see another resurrection take place in John's Gospel, with the resurrection of Lazarus. And what do we read? When Lazarus came out, that dead man came out, John says in chapter 11, his hands and feet were wrapped. He was still from head to toe covered in the linen cloths. And what does Jesus say? Somebody help him. Someone take that cloth off him. Take off the grave clothes and let him go is Jesus' exact words. And what we see here is something very different to the resurrection of Lazarus. What we see in Lazarus's case was Lazarus, yes, he was raised back to life, but he would die again. He's not here anymore. He would taste death again, but not this Jesus. He had no need for those linen cloths anymore because he is alive. Jesus didn't need help either. Jesus took them off by himself. Jesus said, someone help Lazarus, get him out of those linen cloths. But not this Jesus. He folds up his linen cloths and he places them because he has no longer any need for them. Jesus no longer has a mortal body because he will never die again. And we read in verse 9 that yet they didn't understand the scripture, that he must rise again. Could, could you imagine what it would have been like to have been the disciples and, and seeing all this that was going on? 
There had only been three days had passed and they were still grieving. They were still trying to get their head around that the one that they followed, the one that they loved, the one that they, they, they pledged themselves to, even in Peter's case, the one that he ended up denying, that he died on the cross, the Messiah. And even though Jesus on numerous occasions says that I'll rise again, you can break down this temple, but I'll build it back up again in three days' time. He didn't understand. Why? Why the why? Why must Jesus rise again? We see in numerous times in the, the New Testament that it references in accordance with the scriptures. The resurrection, friends, is so important. Peter Vincent, oh, I was blessed out of my socks on Friday night down at the Good Friday service in Kenya. Anyone who was there would have been blessed by Peter's ministry on Friday night. He said that we don't speak about the resurrection enough in church. And that is so true. Why is the resurrection important? Why must Jesus rise again? The resurrection is at the center of the truth of our redemption. It is so, so connected to everything that Jesus came to do. And often we speak about Jesus' death and rightly so where he goes to the cross of Calvary and he pays for our sins and he died as a ransom for many. But his resurrection shows God's power over the grave. It shows God's power over death. Without the resurrection, death still has its sting. Without the resurrection, the grave still has its victory. In Christ's death, God's wrath is satisfied. But friends, in his resurrection, death is obliterated. It is defeated. It is done. It has no hold on any who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul wonderfully condenses this and he shows the, the two sides of this very same coin where, where he speaks about the, the death of Jesus on one side but also his resurrection on the other in a, in a way that's so, so perfectly put, so simply put, where the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Death and resurrection, the two sides of the same coin. That make the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That offer hope to any who believe in it. Jesus died because that was the cost of sin. It was the wages of sin was death. The hope of the Easter message. The richness of the gospel. Was that death although it bruised the heel of Jesus. Had no power over him. Because he is not just that he has resurrection power, but as Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He is resurrection power. And because of the power of our God, who is the author of life, even when he paid the price of sin, which is death, the wages of sin is death. Even though he paid that price. Death had no power over him. The grave couldn't hold him. Death couldn't defeat him. And we can say, but only because of Jesus' resurrection, we can say, grave, where is your victory? 
Death, where's your sting? You have no hold on me. Because my Savior, although he died, he is alive. That's why we don't surrender those in Christ who die to the grave. We surrender them into the arms of God Almighty. It's why the New Testament so beautifully puts it that any who die in this life and are in Christ, do you know how it describes them? They've fallen asleep in Jesus. Why? Because the grave has no hold on them. Why? For he is El Yeshuvati, the God of my salvation. Let's quickly turn to Isaiah chapter 12 for the remainder of our time together this morning. Verse 1 says, You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Verse 2, Behold, God is my salvation. Behold, El Yeshuati, God is my salvation. That's where that name is here. I will trust and will not be afraid for the Lord God is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. This chapter in Isaiah is, is like a wee short hymn. It's like a, a, a praise song of thanksgiving. But look at how this wee hymn begins. You will say in that day, Isaiah said. You will say in that day. What Isaiah is doing here is he's pointing to future salvation. It wasn't theirs yet. This was a, a song of faith, a song of hope, a song of longing. You will say in that day. They hadn't seen the salvation, but they knew that when that day comes, God, we're going to give thanks to you. We can praise you now because you're the God of my salvation. Even though we might be in exile, even though things are difficult, we know there's a day coming where you will redeem your people. You will restore your people. Where you will raise up that righteous branch, that stump of Jesse. They look forward with hope. But friends, the amazing thing about us here now, there's nothing amazing about us personally, but the amazing thing about what we can experience is that because of the cross of Calvary and because of the empty grave, we no longer have to say in that day. We will say and we can say on this day. On this day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. On this day, you are my salvation. All because of Jesus. They look forward with hope. Remember, and remember, we need to remember that Isaiah is speaking into a context here, into his own people. And yes, they would experience some sort of saving within the natural. But remember, whenever we read these things, that they find their ultimate fulfillment in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can sing this song. We can sing the song of the redeemed. We can look back at the cross where Jesus died in your place as a propitiation for your sins. But as Peter Vincent put it so well on, on Friday night, it wasn't death that took hold of Jesus. It was Jesus who took hold of death. He grabbed it with two hands. And in the Gospels, what we have, in the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, what we have is, is not hell waging war on heaven, but is heaven waging war on the very pits of hell, on the very consequences of hell, on the very chains of sin. 
for the sake of the redemption of humanity. No wonder the angels inquire, what is man that you are mindful of him? And we see in verse 1, when, when God's anger turns away, we see that he turns away his anger. And, and what that made me think of is that beautiful hymn, how deep the Father's love for us. The Father turns his face away. As wounds which marred the chosen one bring many sons to glory. And as the sinless, spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world tastes death. Friends, the glory of Easter Sunday, the glory of Resurrection Sunday is that our King is not dead, but alive. The grave could not hold him. Death could not keep him down. And what we see on Easter Sunday is that he, he isn't just the lamb that takes away the sins of the world, but he is the lion, triumphant. And he doesn't just take your place. He doesn't just, as the lamb, take your place at the cross. Because he is also the lion. And what he does as the lion is, he conquers the grave and he paves the way for you. You see, the amazing thing about the stone being rolled away, friends, is that it hasn't just been rolled away from the tomb of Jesus. It's been rolled away from anyone who trusts and hope in him. I can say this morning, there's no stone in front of my tomb. Can you say that? Can you say this morning that there's no stone in front of your tomb? There's no stone in front of my grave. There's nothing keeping me dead because Jesus is alive and death has no sting. My sins were put on him, but his resurrection power is at work in me. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all that is in him is mine. You see, her God isn't just a saviour. Isaiah says it here, he is the God of my salvation. He is salvation. Salvation belongs unto him. And Isaiah is describing the character of God. That is who he is. And when we see Jesus, we, we know that Jesus is the direct representation of God, the visible image of the invisible God. As Jesus says, those of you who have seen me have seen the Father. And do you know what I love? Is that Yeshuati, do you know where that name comes from and where it's derived from? It's got the same root as the name Yeshua, which means salvation. And it's even more amazing because that's where Jesus' name comes from. What does the angel say in Matthew 1? You shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. And as we draw our names of God's sermon series to a close. What have we learnt? Lots I hope. But what have we learnt? We have learnt that Elohim is the mighty God. Who is El Elyon. He is God most high. But we in our sin fell short of his standards. But he's Elroy. He's the God who sees. And he saw us where we were, lost in our sins, dead in our transgressions. 
And in his mercy, he reveals himself to Moses as Yahweh, the great I am, the covenant-making, the covenant-keeping one, the one who depends on no one else, the self-existent one. Why? Because even though we were lost, he is El Cano. He is the jealous God who loved you so much that he sent his one and only son into this world. And in his rich mercy, he longed to be in relationship with his people. And in his love, he fought for us. In his love, he fights for us. Why? Because he is Yahweh Nissi. He is the Lord, our banner. He's the one we rally round. And the one who we rally round and the one who fights for us is El Shaddai, God Almighty who is Jehovah Sabiath, the Lord of hosts, the God of angel armies, the God who's got thousands and thousands of people and persons and creations and uh, angels at his disposal. And in his love and through his power, he saw how broken we were because of sin. He saw how lost we were. And in his mercy, he longed to heal us. He longs to restore us. As the shepherd we read of in Psalm 23, he restores my soul. Why? Because he's Jehovah Rapha. He's the God who heals. And it's only by his wounds we are healed. Because God knew that we couldn't fix ourselves. And in his grace, he sent the solution. He sent the solution to our problem. Jesus, the one who would save us from our sins. Why does he do that? Because he's Jehovah Jireh. He's the God who provides. And what he has provided for us is a way to himself. So we can experience all that he has. But it's only possible because Jesus went in our place at the cross of Calvary. And in, in the exchange, he becomes Jehovah St. Kenyu. The Lord, my righteousness. For God put my sins on the shoulders of Christ. And he imputes his righteousness into my very soul. And in doing so, he's defeated our enemies. He's defeated the grave. Why? Because he is Jehovah Perizim. He is the God of breakthrough. And he shattered the stone in the tomb. He shattered the grave. He shattered death. It has no hold. It has no sting. It has no victory. Why? Because he is alive. Because of all he is and because of all he has done. We can say this morning, if we just but accept the free gift that God offers to any who put their hope and trust in him, we can say, God, you are El Yeshuati. You are the God of my salvation. Who, as Isaiah says in chapter 25, he swallowed up death. He swallowed it up forever. Friends, this is the truth and the hope and the glory of Resurrection Sunday, of this Easter day. Death is defeated. Our hope 
is alive. Because Christ is risen. Let us pray. Lord, no wonder the hymn writer says, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and, and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. But Lord, love as you did and love as you do. And in your love, you went to the cross of Calvary. You took our place. Our sins were placed upon you. You give us your righteousness. And because you have paid the price and because you rose again, death is defeated. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Lord, nothing that we go through in this life can shake the kingdom that we are part of. Because we are part of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ who is risen triumphant. Lord, you have defeated the grave. And Lord, we thank you that in your love and because of your goodness that there's a day coming, Lord, where you will take us to be with you. We thank you for Easter. We thank you for your resurrection. Lord, may your, may your life be at work in our midst, we pray. For we ask all these things for the glory of our risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.